We're back with the second part of Renee August's interview with Ruth Padilla DeBorst on her presentation, North-South Partnership in God's Mission, Joining Hands in the Construction of a Reconciliation Politics. Thank you, Ruth, for that contribution. I'm wondering, for those listening to you, is there some resource or two that you would recommend for anybody who's interested in exploring this topic some more or wanting to learn more about this very interesting topic of reconciliation politics? So I would highly recommend um, that people read Christ Outside the Gate by Orlando Costas. He's a Puerto Rican um, theologian. Uh, deceased now, but a very powerful rendition of um, thinking about the exercise of faith and the use of power from outside of Christendom. Um, so Orlando Costa's Christ Outside the Gate. Also, um, uh, Crider's work, um, he's a Mennonite uh, who works about the church as a peace church. What, does, what is the, the silent ferment of a church that embodies a reconciliation politics um, in the midst of the confrontations and violence in the context. And I would also um, say a must read is Walter Brueggemann, um, who um, challenges the church to not live just out of what is, but to recognize what, what can be, what should be, what ought to be and to live out of that with a prophetic imagination that can change the, um, the, the weight within the body politic. Thank you. One more question. Um, what do you think is important for people to ask if they want to continue exploring this idea of, of a reconciling politic? What are the, some of the questions that you feel are important for us to explore as disciples of Jesus in this conversation? So one of the challenges is we just take power so for granted. Uh, we don't name it. We don't explore it. We don't, um, we don't parse out to see its component elements. Um, and, so, and so we often submit to it just that's the power. Um, so, so I think uh, beginning to question um, power relations uh, between genders, between classes, between ethnic people of different ethnic backgrounds, different color, and how these um, building up of prejudices and presuppositions and, and stereotyping uh, then get reified into structures and systems, and we are so blinded to it. So it is impossible to engage in reconciliation without opening our eyes, recognizing, naming, confessing, lamenting that which is wrong. Um, we cannot just live with it as if that were a needed, necessary, and unavoidable given. So questioning, lamenting, um, and beginning with that, and that is part of this woundedness recognizing the pain of the world um, is a necessary first step to be, be able to step beyond that and begin to, to allow, invite the spirit 
of God to do the healing that needs to happen, that we cannot contrive, but we can be vehicles and channels of. I wrote down um, two words that stayed with me, and, and it's almost the, the invitation to introspection and lament. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you suppose we do that? Is it, is it something I need to do on my own in my quiet time as I read my Bible? Is it something I have to do together with others as an organization or a church? Or how do you imagine? I mean, you do give some suggestions, but I was just wondering if I'm on my own, what, what advice would you give to me in this work of introspection? So we... Um... We're so prone as human beings to build our, our, our bubbles. And I, I and me is one bubble. And, and I and the people that are like me is another bubble. And uh, we are not going to gain awareness and be able to be part of a transformational presence in our context until we are willing to let some of those bubbles pop. How do those bubbles pop? We need to engage with people who are different. We need to befriend outside of our comfort zone we need to step in the shoes of other people to be able to see from other perspectives to be able to feel from um from other places of the heart um and so and so this awareness and the capacity to even begin to um be conscientize that's a word that comes from spanish a little awkward in english but we need to gain a new consciousness um, we need to become aware uh, that will not happen in isolation in our little corner. We will just reify the difference and distance. Um, so we need to step out. Um, and that will demand uh, a sacrifice and a vulnerability and a, an exposure and a discomfort. Uh, maybe we need to be praying more for the blessing of discomfort, for the blessing of tears, um, so that we can then begin to see from other places and begin to act um, along with others. So community, but a community that is not a a homogeneous bubble, but a diverse um, expression of the rich diversity of humanity itself is a necessary step. Thank you, Ruth. Another word you, you offered to us is the word lament. And so I'm just curious about this, this word and how it finds us. During the season of COVID in particular, um, I heard many calls for the church to lament. What is the difference between being sad, sorrowful, and this lament that you speak of? Um, how would we differentiate mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Between, mm-hmm. Are we all just supposed to walk around somber and sad, or what? What would mm-hmm. the goal of lament be in your? Mm-hmm. You understand? Yeah, I think. I mean, yes, there are plenty of things in the world that causes pain and and sorrow, and uh, you know, we 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 have we have to learn to to bear and walk through and manage that and find. Uh, God's presence and the presence of of the community in the midst of of pain. But lament 
um, is is um, seems deeper um, and broader, uh, deeper in the sense that it is not um, it is not simply something difficult happens to me and and it makes me feel sad, um, or but it is more um, an intentional exploration of of that which we also have a part in having created there needs to be that level of of awareness that this is something we are complicit in we have created the conditions that about the the painful um reality that is weighing on others also and and so there's a there's a level of of confession of sin, of our complicitness in that um, I, comes to mind is, is Isaiah before God in the temple and saying, I am a man of unclean lips um, and I come from a people of unclean lips. How, how can God be calling me into this? Um, and so that's, a, that's deeper and um, less circumstantial and much more um, a full awareness of interconnected um, factors of which we um, we are one um, in contributing to, and so so lament then. And there's also a sense in which we're joining in the in the lament of it. It may not personally um, impact me. It may not be something that has restricted my life complicated or brought pain personally but it is something that is um that is bearing on others and so there's uh, this in that sense it's broader it's not about exclusively about me and my bubble it's about the world and its different um expressions um and so in that sense lament is a deeper and broader thing than just my personal sorrow Wow, thank you. You give to us six images, all involving hands. And I I thought it interesting that we're not able to see one another in person to read body language. And so you mm. you make it possible for us to see your hands and then you give us this image of hands um, mm. so beautifully image of an open hand, an empty hand, a hand that breaks bread, a wounded hand, a raised hand, an adjoining hand. For those who, who find one of these difficult, um, you, you offer to us almost a progression, as it were, of these hands. Um, is there any one particular one you find yourself circling back to more regularly than the others? I know it's not a recipe <laughs> and you're not giving us a six step mm. program to a reconciliation. Mm. Politics. I'm just wondering mm. in your work of this mm -hmm. reconciling mm -hmm. politics, is there one that you feel you sort of circle back to more often than not? Mm -hmm. Um. I think one, I mean, and I think in some ways that depends a lot on our own personality and our context and, and such. Um, what I find perhaps, uh, um, yeah, the one I would circle back to is empty hands. 
Mm-hmm. I, I fear too often I can tend to have, I have the solutions. I know what needs to be done. I bring this and I give to you. Um, there's this posture of, um, I can, I have, I, um, I give, I, 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 right. And, um, and that is so, um, blocking our recognition of what others bring, um, and of affirming that. And we just get wrapped up to our own capacity, our own, um, gift our own resources and they can be money but it can also be formulas and um, prescriptions Uh, it's what we bring into the thing and so others just have to receive it Um, and and we're recognizing our 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 lack our um, and recognizing uh, affirming what others bring into the mix um, before just relying on what we into it, I think is a a, hum, a humility that um, without which um, we we can often cause more harm than good, um, and even in our best attempts. So, you know, it's striking that when when the uh, church celebrates Jesus they say he emptied himself <laughs> uh, Jesus emptied himself uh, to become and walk with us and, 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 and turn things around and be a transformative presence so um, perhaps that's the one that strikes me the most right now my final question you speak about peace as not being something static but um, something that is dynamic and engages, you know, people, the people of God who live in God's world. Do you have a story, um, an occasion, uh, a memory of a time when you saw this and you went, ah, oh, that's it. Mm-hmm. Would you mind sharing a story like that with us, please? Mm-hmm. So... You know, in, in so much of Latin America, there is um, there has been so much political strife and um, oppression on the one hand, and then as I brought up in the paper also, then the reactionary, revolutionary violence and these extremes nourish each other and justify each other. Um, but um, in in Argentina, um, during um, the military dictatorship, when the military government was taking sequestering people um, and disappearing them, <laughs> this is where this coin, this term was even coined. They were made to disappear, um, uh, and. Uh, in the midst of that, the mothers of many of these young people who were um, taken by the military government, they began asking questions and trying to find their children and organized into um, groups um, identified as the mothers of the Casa de Mayo, the 
May Square, um, which is right downtown in front of the presidential palace. And um, they began gathering and walking around the central monument every um, a certain day, every Thursday at noon, you could find them walking around with photographs of their um, They did not go shoot up the government. They did not raise arms, but they became this silent, persistent, perseverant presence of demanding justice and information about the disappeared children. This came up to many, like this is such an insignificant act. Um, they're not going to achieve anything. But that persistent, perseverant presence became a symbol of resistance. And as it did, it grew so there were more and more people accompanying them on that march and it became globally known and it became a pressure point on the government to begin to um, actually to begin to crumble. Um, and so sometimes we think it has to be this dramatic, all-in-one transformative thing, but, but peacemaking um, as a, as a courageous, perseverant sowing of seeds of an alternative way of resistance um, can be massively powerful. Um, and many of those people involved were Christians who sustained the movement, a Roman Catholic priests, a Methodist bishop, um, who accompanied the women in their in their denunciation in their alternative presence that is beautiful and what a wonderful place for us to end <laughs> Ruth thank you so much for your reflections for the way you brought your own story into this idea of reconciliation and reconciling politics thank you for this image that you give to us of hands um, and thank you for the gift of yourself and your work. And I am deeply grateful to you. And so are all of us listening. And so God bless you in your work of um, decolonizing um, this Bible, the gospel, and in this work of reconciliation. Thank you so much. Thank you, Renee. Thank you all. It was wonderful to be with you today. This interview is part of Infamous Stop at Iaco online forum, a global conversation in which we learn together about how we can contribute to God's reconciling work in the midst of the realities of our world today. This year, we invited scholar practitioners from around the world to share their research, stories, and experiences on the topic of peacebuilding and conflict transformation from a lens of post-colonialism and indigenous Christianity. 